Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, and more specifically, the NRL weekend wrap for round 21. Season continuing to fly by, uh, and finals just around the corner. So we're starting to learn quite a bit about what each side is made of. Uh, Now we've got the top of the crop, Penrith, Brisbane Broncos, Warriors, question mark, my team, question mark, question mark. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but the top sides getting some big wins this weekend. Uh, some other sides, like the Storm, big loss, uh, which made it a huge win for the Newcastle Knights. Uh, teams like the Roosters, the Sea Eagles, keeping their seasons alive. Uh, Gold Coast, we probably witnessed the end of their season this weekend. Uh, so there's a bit to get into. As far as what is in store today, uh, I'll be going through all eight games across the round and as usual I'll be starting with the performance highlights so player of the round team of the round uh, things like that and my other highlight across round 21 was the kickoff of the NRLW 2023 season and uh, now if you follow us over on Instagram at not just a sports report you'd be able to see uh, the weekly content I've been doing NRLW hype Uh, which is like a weekly preview post on the Instagram, and also posting, as soon as this podcast wraps up, uh, the NRLW Round 1 performance highlights. Some great individual efforts, uh, but also some new teams, fresh faces on the block, Cronulla Sharks kicking things off in style, West Tigers couldn't have asked possibly for a better start. Huge knock from their captain and fullback as well. Uh, So I'll be posting about that in the performance highlights. Of course, my pick to win the comp this year, the Roosters. They kicked off their campaign with a victory, as did the Knights, the defending premiers. Uh, In the season opener, Gold Coast Titans got off to a quality start with a win over the Cowboys, or Cowgirls, uh, however you want to look at it. So NRLW, do not sleep on that competition this year. Uh, But today's podcast, all about NRL, uh, and more specifically, round 21. So now, nothing else to do but get amongst it. This is the weekend wrap, and it's time to get into the performance highlights. Alright, a few performances to get amongst, starting with my player of the round. Now, a few pretty talented performances, as always across the round as a whole, Uh, but I've gone with James Tedesco, who I think, coming off a really decent performance in the third Origin game, on the back of a lot of criticism uh, at Origin level, a lot of criticism at NRL level, a lot of which I feel is unwarranted. Like, Tedesco just plays at such a world-class standard that when he's even just a tick below that, criticism starts to come. Uh, So I thought on the back of Origin 3, I think a lot of the talk of dropping him 
at least this year's series for Origin, was just overblown. Now, he's got guys like Edwards, uh, Gutherson, Scott Drinkwater nipping at his heels as far as the representative arena, but he's a World Cup winning captain. He's won the Origin series before as a captain. Uh, and now, now that he turns his sole focus to the Sydney Roosters, a club that badly need it at the moment, still in the mix to play finals, but one of the more outside chances. Uh, I thought Tedesco, across this whole round, uh, he was the best player. Titans had no answer for him. Uh, and just given the importance of that game, how many losses the Roosters uh, have suffered in the lead up to this, uh, to, for Tedesco to play the way he did, perfect timing. And now, I mean, Roosters back in. I did put a line through them, and I still don't think they're going to play finals. Uh, but mathematically, they are a decent chance if they can get on a bit of a run here. So James Tedesco... I've gone with him as my player of the round. As for my moment of the round, I might be a little bit biased as a Warriors fan, but I went with Sean Clutch Johnson. In the game against the Raiders, we looked to have it won. Then it seemed like we'd lost it. Game goes to golden point. Sean Johnson kicks a field goal that at the end of the round has us sitting third. So I think in general, that was the moment of the round. And the Warriors, here to play. Love to see it. Uh, as for my team of the round, in round 21, James Tedesco, fullback, player of the round. Uh, on the wings, I went with Brian Toto, who had a commanding display today uh, against the Doggies. And I went with Greg Marziu on the other wing. I just thought he made a huge difference against the Melbourne Storm. And his enthusiasm and his energy, uh, that was kind of the theme across the entire night side. So Greg Marziu, one of my wingers of the week, alongside Brian Toto. In the centres, a couple of unlucky players to miss out here. Probably Zach Lomax, mostly. Uh, Tyron Peachy had a great game today. Uh, but I went with Katoni Staggs and Tolu Kola. Katoni Staggs in the game against the Rabbitohs. That win just keeps Brisbane humming toward the final series, where right now they are most definitely at the major threat to Penrith, who are still the benchmark. So right now it's Penrith, Broncos leading the way. And then, look, Warriors are in third. So I feel very good about that. Uh, but there is a bit of a discrepancy at the moment, even throwing in sides like the Bunnies, the Sharks, uh, the Storm. There's a bit of a gap where the Broncos and the Panthers are the front runners, uh, in my estimation. So Katoni Staggs, in that game against the Rabbitohs, who were also premiership contenders, he was probably best on ground. And not only does he keep Brisbane up the top of the table, but that performance has also bundled South Sydney as it stands out of the final series. Uh, so big moment there for Katoni Staggs. Tolu Kola uh, today against the Sharks. I thought in the earlier stages of the game, uh, first half and first portion of the second half, uh, Tolu Kola, he helped his side to victory, which essentially has kept Manly's season alive. In the halves, I went with Jerome Luai and Daly Cherry Evans. Up front, 
Adenfenua Blake and Jared Waria Hargraves, uh, both whom ran over 200 metres and just had a huge bearing on their sides, uh, having crucial wins. Wade Egan, back-to-back weeks as my dummy half of the round. In the back row, Nat Butcher and Tyson Frizzell from the Newcastle Knights. I did mention in the preview podcast that the Knights' storm game intrigued me a hell of a lot. Newcastle kind of crept up on the ladder and they were sitting 10th coming into this round. And with that win over the storm, I'm stoked to say it. I had Newcastle in my bottom tier of the competition. I'm elevating them to tier two. They're in the mix. What a display. Tyson Frizzell, that marks back-to-back weeks. Uh, He's been in my team of the round. And it looks like they're set to re-sign him. So when you look at their Ford pack, uh, you consider that teams... You do want to have some really experienced players that have seen each level of the game and had success there. Uh, Tyson Frizzell, he's one of those players. And to see him playing the way he is, combined with the way that Newcastle, just as an entire team, are playing right now. uh, Look, as far as this season, they're building nicely. They're still in the mix. Uh, But when you look at some of the young talents that they have in their system... Newcastle, they could be one of the sides that, like, they start building over the next six or so months, and then next season, they surprise us a hell of a lot uh, with how much they can progress. So Tyson Frizzell and Nat Butcher, back rowers of the round, and I've gone with Isaiah Yo at lock. Penrith, top of the pops, still the team to beat. And that actually is my talking point for the performance highlights as well. Talking point, Penrith, still the team to beat. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. For my Tough Stuff nomination in round 21, I've gone with Jared Wairia Hargraves. I spoke just before about how the Roosters, the season was on the line here, and I've already put a line through them. I think they're done this year. Uh, But the Roosters, they're still playing for something. And given it's the Roosters and a lot of the guys throughout this team, They're still playing to win the Premiership. So in a game against the Titans, where Gold Coast lacked a lot of that tough stuff, no Tino for Suomala Awe out there, Uh, well, Roosters had the tough stuff in bundles. The Butcher brothers were enormous. Lindsay Collins had a great game. You had Brandon Smith back in action. Uh, But Jared Warrior Hargreaves, who epitomizes tough stuff, he was the one heart and soul who really led that charge, uh, and his enthusiasm and aggression to just be up for the contest, Titans couldn't match it. And on the back of that, Roosters get a win, which who knows where it could go from here. Could be the win that completely changes their entire season. So Tough Stuff nomination, Jared Warrior Hargraves, for my Rising Star nomination. And if you're a first-time listener, not just a sports report, Rising Star, uh, each, pl- uh, each round, sorry, I nominate one young player. And at the end of the season, you get to vote over on our Instagram for who is the Not Just a Sports Report 2023 Rising Star. Uh, so now becoming eligible, Xavier Willison from the Broncos, whose involvement's really starting to be upped within this potential premiership side. Xavier Willison, Rising Star nomination. And at season's end, uh, what's going to happen is it gets broken down into a top eight. You get to vote that into a final four. 
And from the final four, you get to vote on a winner. And last year, the listeners and followers uh, voted for Jeremiah Nanai. So Jeremiah Nanai, the inaugural, not just a sports report, rising star. Who's it going to be this year? Well, Xavier Willison from the Broncos, he's in the mix. And I guess you'll have to follow us on Instagram if you want to keep tabs on that. Cause for concern, I went to the Cronulla Sharks. They were already pretty concerning going into this round. They made some changes and big ones at that. And against Manly, the first half was just disgraceful. I didn't find it disgraceful. Like I wasn't personally offended or disgusted by it. But if I was a Sharks fan, I would have been. And they nearly pulled off the greatest comeback in NRL history. Uh, but they didn't. And considering where everything is at with, in this season, and I will talk about the Sharks run home a bit later in the podcast, my cause for concern is the Cronulla Sharks. It doesn't matter what they did in the last half an hour or so of today's game, because it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. They copped the loss there. They were already very concerning going into this round. And in the Flat Track Bullies Cup, well, they were completely outclassed. And yeah, you just can't, you can't expect to make like a 30-point comeback. So cause for concern, Cronulla Sharks. Uh, my knocking on the door nomination, a player in reserve grade uh, who had a great performance to say, hey, maybe not going to get picked this year regularly, almost definitely not. Uh, but at this club, who happened to be back-to-back premiers, this is a real player of the future. Knocking on the door nomination, Jack Cole had a great game as the Panthers, uh, not just at NRL level, but also New South Wales Cup, absolutely blitzed the Bulldogs. So Jack Cole knocking on the door. And the plug for this weekend, of course, the NRL preview for round 22. So today, going through all things round 21. uh, And on Wednesday, I'll be dropping the round 22 preview podcast. Warriors final buy of the season. Really happy for my team to collect two points there. But the games, like everything now, with Origin wrapped up, finals around the corner, every every single game matters and has relevance. Even the Dragons and Tigers, which kicked us off this round, it had relevance to the wooden spoon. And I think maybe in the future, once there's 18 to 20 teams, then the NRL could consider maybe like, like the NBA have like a play-ins for the 7th and 8th position. Maybe they have to play 9th and 10th or something like that. Uh, just to drum up a little bit more excitement for those middle, tab- middle table teams now. Uh, But as I see on the ladder, right now only really four teams that are completely out of contention. Titans, Bulldogs, Tigers, and Dragons. Roosters have got their season back started. uh, And a few other teams, like Dolphins, are still in it. Knights are still in it. Uh, So it's a very exciting time. And in round 22, I haven't had a full check of the games yet. I know... Uh, Warriors have the bye, Storm hosting the Eels at Marvel Stadium. Uh, But once I've done today's review, I'll have a look at what's next in round 22. But I'm just, I'm going to take a wild guess and say there are going to be some high stakes games. So can't wait to get into that. 
But today, it's all about round 21. So let's keep things moving and get right amongst the games. All right, I'll try and make this first game relatively quick, just given that it has no relevancy uh, to the finals race. It does have relevancy uh, to the wooden spoon, which unfortunately, Tigers look pretty much destined uh, to collect their second straight spoon. Coming off this loss Thursday night in Wollongong. Dragons 18, Tigers 14. Uh, so look, close game. Tigers had their opportunities uh, this week. Probably less reasoning to be critical of the Tigers. They showed up. They had a go. Uh, unfortunately, the Dragons just the better side. Uh, now, my player of the game was Zach Lomax. I thought he was outstanding in that center position. And for Shane Flanagan, the incoming coach, uh, that is going to be one of many headaches that he's faced with. What is the best way uh, to utilize Zach Lomax? Now, I've seen a lot of people say, Maybe he should shift to fullback, but I just feel like Zach Lomax at his best in the centers, kind of like what happened with Bradman Best just a few weeks ago, how he kind of emerged seemingly from nowhere uh, to play for the Blues at origin level. I feel like for Zach Lomax, if he sticks in the centers and the Dragons can start to reverse their form uh, in the next couple of years, Zach Lomax as a center could be a future origin player. Uh, whereas if you move him to fullback, I don't think he's ever going to qualify. You know, I think there's always going to be fullbacks ahead of him. Uh, so with Shane Flanagan, massive job ahead of him. I'd like to see Zach Lomax stay out in the centers. And you can revolve a lot of your game plan around him. I just feel like in a day and age where the strike center, not as prevalent as it once was, Zach Lomax, if you keep him out there, uh, that could be a real point of difference for the Dragons. Uh, so that is for Shane Flanagan to decide. And speaking of Flano, he's already making some moves, clearing out the roster. Uh, he's told Jaden Hunt, Zane Musgrove, you guys are free to look for another club. Moses Embai has already been released, off to St. Helens. Uh, so they're doing a bit of a clean out at the moment. And those aren't the only players that have been told they are free to leave. So Shane Flanagan wasting no time. I do think it's the right move. You gotta start clearing the joint out because it's been a wildly unsuccessful tenure. And despite some of these individual players having talent, just in the age of managing a salary cap and managing a roster, these calls have to be made because Dragons are a shell of the team they once were. So Shane Flanagan not afraid to make some tough calls and there are going to be a few more ahead of him. I feel like the Dragons forward pack badly needs a rejig. Uh, there are some guys you can build around, but I just feel like despite having some great forwards, they don't really strike fear into oppositions. Like every forward pack in the NRL seems pretty confident to go head to head with the Dragons. And when St. George find themselves uh, up against a world-class forward like Adenfanua Blake, a Payne Haas, a Tino, they just don't really have the answer. So I think Dragons need to have a good long look uh, at who they could bring into this Ford pack that could make a real difference. They let go of Tarek Sims, they've lost Tyson Frizzell, even Jackson Ford, who's killing it at the Warriors. Uh, so Dragons Ford pack badly needs an overhaul. 
Uh, now, quick note as well, Api Corusel has re-signed with the Tigers, so there's some good good news right there. Uh, RP at the Tigers, look, if they are going to turn things around and get themselves going as a successful club, you probably couldn't pick a better number nine. Uh, so Api Corusel sticking around. Uh, last couple of bits of news, Jaden Sullivan, one of the other names told by Shane Flanagan uh, that he's free to look elsewhere, which is a huge, huge call. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see whether that ends up being the right one. And also curious to see uh, where Jaden Sullivan lands. At the moment, Tigers, probably the most likely, given that they only have Latu Fainu and Aiden Caesar for next year. And by many reports, Latu Fainu probably not quite ready for consistent week-in, week-out first-grade footy uh, just yet. So they could really do with someone like Jaden Sullivan, who will have a point to prove. Funny as well, Dragons have all these great young talents. They just cannot develop them. So that is one thing Shane Flanagan is going to have to improve uh, because you can't just rely on experienced guys. You can't just sign people to the club. A part of being a successful organization is having the ability to develop your juniors, which when you look at St. George and they have the Illawarra region and some really talented junior teams over the last few years, where is the success? Where are these bright young talents? Because they seem to just get lost in the mix when they get brought up to NRL level. And I don't really think that is a major slight on these young players. I think it's more reflective of the system they're in uh, and the inability to help these players reach their potential. But with Jaden Sullivan being told he's free to go, that would suggest that Dragons still haven't given up on holding on to Ben Hunt. Now Shane Flanagan's come out, he said he expects Ben to be there next year, uh, but look, there's been enough speculation already. And as far as Ben Hunt, where does he go? Does he stay at the Dragons? I'm just going to park it. We'll wait and see. That's about all we can do at the moment. Let's let the Dragons and Ben Hunt finish this very poor season, uh, and then they can make, make their decisions. So as for what happens with Ben Hunt, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, but as far as the rest of these seasons, or these teams' season, rather, they're playing for pride. Dragons 15th, Tigers 17th, uh, so on the verge of collecting back-to-back wooden spoons however look rome wasn't built in a day and it would be very easy again uh, to criticize the tigers considering how awful they've been this year but rp's re-signed they've got some good players and look you can't just reverse a decade of mediocrity in one season so they weren't going to go from the shithouse to the penthouse this year unfortunately they've gone from the shithouse 16th and they found themselves a shitter house, 17th position. So they have dropped to a new low, but it's not all doom and gloom. They've got some fantastic marquee players. They've got some really good young talents, which they're building on now uh, as well with the signings of the Finu brothers. So there are some things to suggest. Tigers have a fair few pieces to the puzzle sorted out, but the puzzle itself still not quite figured out. In fact, they had a lot of good pieces to the puzzle, but someone has just completely flipped the fucking table. Puzzle pieces are gone everywhere. So it is a massive mess at the Tigers right now. Uh, but like I said, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
I didn't expect West to make the top eight this year and to be able to just completely reverse their fortunes. I did expect them to go way better, though, than they have. So, look, it's going to take some time. I think the thing with Tigers fans that probably just makes them feel uneasy is that they've already spent a lot of time waiting for this to happen. A lot of coaches been burnt through, players leaving left, right and centre, and they just haven't been relevant in the finals for over a decade. So Tigers fans have waited long enough, but given how much of a mess the organisation is, several times they've blown it up and started again. Brought in a new coach, uh, time and time again, that hasn't worked, which what does that tell you about the organisation? I mean, CEO, chairman, a couple of positions that have uh, remained the same throughout all this. But the coaches keep getting burnt through. So now, Tim Sheen's Benji Marshall. It's become their responsibility. Even this situation turning into a mess. Talk that Tim Sheen's, you know, does he even see out the second year? So look, it has been very messy. But hopefully, given that this is only year one, of the Tim Sheen's uh, transition to Benji Marshall. Rome wasn't built in a day. So let's give them some time. It's gonna take at least another year. Benji Marshall, this is his first year full stop having anything to do with coaching. Uh, so it is a big ask, but let's just give the Tigers some time. They sit 17th, Dragons sit 15th, and given that neither of them are gonna be playing finals, I think we shall move on. I must apologize, fucking recorded about 20 minutes worth on the Warriors win. My side, of course, was pumped about the Warriors, spoke all about Andrew Webster, Chance Nicole Klukstad, how much it would mean as a fan to see the team lift their first premiership, how I would rather, out of any team I've ever seen, this be the side. And then my fucking, my recording little studio deleted it so fucking hell i just can't be bothered to do that again i poured out my heart and soul you know it was very authentic very in the moment and now yeah sorry it deleted it so just imagine in your mind as a warriors fan how pumped up i am that we've finished third we don't play another top eight team on our run home and there is a very real reality that we do finish in the top four and that we challenge for the premiership from there. So there you go. I got everything out in about two minutes. Fucking hell. Thanks a lot, Garage Band, you dog. So yeah, I just thought I can't be asked. I just spoke for 20, 25 minutes about it. And yeah, I've been fucked over. So we're going to move on to the next game, unfortunately. But yeah, very, very happy as a Warriors fan. On to the Friday night game now, though. Hopefully, can get through this one without it fucking deleting itself. Why? That was some of my best work. I could talk about the Warriors for fucking hours. But anyway, look, what? Whatever. We've saved 20 minutes in total on the podcast already. So now let's move on to Super... Not Super Saturday. To Sunshine Coast Stadium. I've been thrown for a loop now. Everything I know has been deleted. Uh, but Friday night footy, the Rabbitohs, 
their perfect run on the Sunshine Coast coming to an end. Broncos 36, Rabbitohs 20. Brisbane, I think they've shown us pretty clearly uh, that outside of Penrith, they're the front runners of this competition. Now, Souths, one of the other Premiership favourites, didn't even come close to matching the Broncos here. Our biggest talking point from the game, probably Martin Tapau in the 12th minute getting sinbinned. A pretty dangerous running style. And with that, Marty does seem like he's going to miss some time. Uh, so from the game itself, that was probably the biggest talking point. Uh, but the biggest talking point in general, the Rabbitohs have dropped out of the top eight. Not a lot of rounds to go. Now, I expect to see them there during the final series. But myself, alongside most fans feel like the Rabbitohs around this stage of the season at bare minimum should have been in the eight more so pushing for top four honors so the Rabbitohs have dropped out of the top eight time is running out to make a premiership charge now even if you qualify for finals you're gonna have to play from the lower half which historically doesn't bode too well so we saw Luttrell withdrawn from this contest he was named didn't play, and I think it's quite obvious uh, just how much Latrell means to the Rabbitohs here. And with no Latrell, Cody Walker didn't have his main man, and Broncos very easily able to account for Walker throughout this game. Uh, and just lastly, on the Rabbitohs, one of the players who I think just quietly has been one of their best this year, uh, Jaime Sele. There's word that Shane Flanagan looking to bring Sele over to the Dragons, uh, which is where he started his career, funnily enough. Uh, so Hame Sele, that would be a big loss for the Rabbitohs. I think he's been one of the best in their Ford pack. Uh, but this Friday night contest, it belonged to the Broncos, who yet again, they win away from home, although Sunshine Coast, not really away from home, <laughs> more so an away game uh, for the Bunnies. But still, the Broncos... It's getting to that point in the season, like this time last year, they were falling off the face of the earth. Right now, they are in the top two, looking destined, finals week one, to have a game at Suncorp to qualify for a prelim, which would then be played at Suncorp. So the Broncos find themselves in a fantastic position. You've got players like Reese Walsh, who returned to the side, and immediately... You can see the difference that Reese Walsh makes to this team. The sweeps out the back, he creates so much space on the edges for guys like Katoni Staggs, uh, who was able to really capitalize on that throughout this game. And Reese Walsh, his attacking brilliance, it, it's just so good. Especially when you have someone like Adam Reynolds in the halfback jersey, that combination alone is world-class. Then you factor in all the guys around them, Katoni Staggs, Herbie Farnworth in the centres, Selwyn Cobbo out on the wing, someone who's impressed me greatly this year, Ezra Mam, uh, who we know what he can do in attack, which is very impressive. Uh, but defensively last year, I thought Ezra Mam really struggled, and that played a part in the Broncos ultimately shitting the bed in very, very emphatic fashion. Now, from the start of this year, from round one against the Panthers, it was very clear that Ezra Mam 
has leveled up his defense. And that's exactly what you want to see from a player. Because that was the one thing I was thinking. Okay, Ezra Mam, great player with ball in hand, but defensively could be a weak link. He's been anything but this year, and when you consider the lofty expectations of that Brisbane number six jersey, uh, especially since Darren Lockyer vacated the role, Ezra Mam couldn't be doing much more at the moment. You've of course got the main man, Adam Reynolds, and I think it's no coincidence that since Ben Hunt left, the Broncos struggled. They did not have a genuine halfback. We saw a lot of guys try fill the role, Cody Nicarima, Anthony Milford, Tom Dearden, Sean O'Sullivan. There are a few guys, Albert Kelly, uh, but they really just lacked a genuine halfback. Adam Reynolds is all that and more, and with the addition of Reynolds over the last two seasons, it has taken the Broncos from the very foot of the ladder into premiership contenders. Uh, so Adam Reynolds, what a massive signing he's ended up being. You've got guys like Patrick Carrigan, a future captain of the side, and a real heart and soul player. Now, Paddy Carrigan first really began emerging around the Anthony Seabold era. He was one of these young players that came into a Broncos era that was worse than any we've seen before. Now we see Pat Carrigan, who's continued to develop. Uh, to develop. He's become the player uh, that Brisbane always believed he was. And now, I mean, Patrick Carrigan, as important as any player for their side's premiership charge. And then, of course, Payne Haas. I mean, this is the biggest difference maker. Week in, week out, Payne Haas, he's the one that gets the side going forward, and it's on the back of that that guys like Reynolds and Walsh can do their thing. Now, the big talking point surrounding Payne Haas uh, is the contract situation. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Well, respectfully, because Broncos are competing for the premiership right now, I'm going to put that chat to the side and come back to it at season's end. Uh, so obviously it is a really big talking point, the future of Payne Haas, but fuck, sometimes we just spend a little bit too much time with our eye on the future rather than enjoying what's happening literally right now. Because even if Payne Haas does leave, Broncos are in a premiership window right now and they are very much firmly in the mix to compete for that premiership. So let's come back to the contract news at the end of the season. As things stand right now, Payne Haas is massive as far as Brisbane pushing on and hopefully for their sake, getting the first premiership since 2006. So Payne Haas obviously with a huge role to play. And in my final takeaway from this game, something I wouldn't have said at the beginning of the season, I think Brisbane are closer to a premiership than South Sydney. South Sydney as it stands, not even in the top eight, Brisbane Broncos a very live chance at going all the way. Now, looking at the Broncos' run home, they play the Roosters next weekend at the Gabba, then the Cowboys in Townsville. That'll be a massive game. Uh, Eels at the Gabba. Broncos have the bye in round 25, and they finish off with the Raiders in Canberra parlayed into the Storm at Suncorp. Uh, so all those teams outside of the Roosters currently sit 
in the top eight. So that really, a fantastic way for the Broncos to really steal themselves with some finals-like games uh, that will be played with a lot of physicality, a lot of intensity, and that can only serve them well once they reach the final series. Whilst for the Bunnies, they're actually travelling around a little bit. Uh, checking out their run home, they've got the Tigers next up in Tamworth, followed by the Sharks in Perth. So they're going from Tamworth to Perth. Then they go to Cairns to play the Dragons. Uh, Knights in Newcastle by in round 26, and they finish off with the Roosters in round 27. So I do wonder if that travel is going to affect them at all. Uh, going from Tamworth to Perth to Cairns to Newcastle, it's going to be a while uh, before they actually play at a core stadium again. So we'll have to see. Look, on that run home, teams like the Dragons and Tigers, you should win those games. Sharks not in great form. Knights are in great form, uh, but they're not one of the strongest teams in the comp. Uh, so Rabbitohs, I still think that they will play finals, but we're going to learn a lot over the next few weeks. What I'm keen to learn as well is whether one of these sides can go all the way in 2023. I genuinely think that the Broncos can, whilst for the Bunnies, there's a possibility that they miss out on finals altogether, uh, which would be a massive shock. So we're going to have to wait and see as for how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, but Brisbane Broncos continue this amazing season. All right, let's now launch straight in to the Super Saturday action. Three games across the Saturday, uh, starting off with the Roosters. Massive, massive boost uh, for their very slim hopes of qualifying for the finals. Uh, whilst for the Gold Coast Titans, this game marked the end of their season, in my opinion. Now, mathematically, they can still play finals, but I was never huge on maths during school. So I'm just saying what I'm seeing. And on the general eye test, Gold Coast Titans, not only are they not going to play finals, they don't deserve to, uh, just based on their defense and their defense alone. And that's all I wrote here, uh, as far as my thoughts on the Titans. Very similar to what I spoke about in the preview podcast, their defense just isn't up for it. Uh, so Gold Coast Titans, the one note I had, woeful defense. Now the Roosters, are particularly in the first half, were able to take advantage and exploit that poor defense. And Sydney Roosters, look, I've put a line through them. I don't think they're playing finals this year. Uh, but as far as the bigger picture of their season, with this win, they are still in with a shot. Uh, a couple of other things I wrote down in my notes. Joseph Swali'i, uh, that positionals change to the wing, moving back to where he was playing so well last season. Uh, I think that is the right call, for sure. Now, I think Swali'i, they're probably going to let him go at the end of the season. Sorry, excuse me, just fucking, so uh, I'm doubling up. I've got a few things going on right now. Uh, but yeah, Swali'i, I think moving back to the wing has clearly been the best thing for his game and for the Roosters in general. Now, looking at the wing position, they've signed a bloke from the Super League. His name escapes me, something Murphy. Sorry, can't remember the name. Uh, but they have signed him from the Super League. Roosters have also signed Dominic Young for next year. 
Uh, and not just Dominic, but also his brother Alex, who we saw playing for Jamaica in the World Cup. So Roost is making a few moves uh, when it comes to their wing stocks. Now we've also got the Sandon Smith, Sam Walker situation. Sandon Smith on the back of his performance here. There is a world where he's the one uh, that has that number seven jersey at least for the rest of this season. Uh, but there is so much at stake and it does prove a very important call whether they stick with the inexperienced Sandon Smith or do they bring in the guy who's supposed to be their long-term option in Sam Walker. What makes it even more so interesting is that if they opt for Sandon Smith, you'd have to expect a lot of clubs going to be lining up for the services of Sam Walker. So that's one thing we'll see unfold over the next few weeks as Roosters try, try their hardest to scrape in to the final series. I thought the Butcher Brothers were huge in this game, Nat and Egan, uh, Jared Waria Hargreaves. I thought when it came to the go forward and actually laying the platform for success, nobody did it better uh, across this whole round than Jared Waria Hargreaves. Lindsay Collins uh, as his prop partner, I mean, that is a very formidable starting front row combination. Throw in the fact that Spencer Lenu joining the club next year and Roosters, I don't think they're going to be down for too long. Now, very happy to see Brandon Smith back as well. I know there's been a lot of criticism about how he's fit in uh, to the Roosters setup, but it takes time to build combinations. He's only just landed at the club this season, and I still genuinely believe Brandon Smith is the right man to wear the Roosters number nine. So over the rest of the season, I am interested to see how Brandon Smith fares. Uh, and when you look at the ladder, Titans are now two wins outside of the eight. So their season effectively over. I have no confidence whatsoever in their defense. So I don't think they're going to turn things around and make a run. I think we just witnessed the end of the Titans season. They now drop down to 13th place. Well, the, Mo uh, the Roosters, the Moosters, whoever the fuck they are, uh, the Roosters move up to 12th position. So there is a flicker of hope. But Chooks, they have the Broncos next in Brisbane. They really have to win that. Otherwise, they're just basically back to where they were before round 21. So Roosters, I'm not giving up on them. I've put a line through them. I don't think they're going to make finals. But I haven't ruled it out altogether. Uh, but I think next week against the Broncos in Brisbane, that could probably be where we see uh, the Roosters' run come to an end. But as it stands, they are only one win outside the top eight. Eighth position currently held by the Eels. Of course, ninth, the Rabbitohs. Two sides that the Roosters face on their run home. So it's not done yet. But I just have this feeling that after round 22 in Brisbane... Roost is just going to have a little bit too much to do. Unless they can come out of that game with a win, which would totally change up the dynamic of their season. Now, not just my best on ground for this game, uh, but my best on ground across the entire competition, player of the round, James Tedesco. Like I said, he's starting to get back to his best, ran for nearly 250 metres in this game, had four tackle breaks, 
produced two try assists, as well as a try of his own. So James Tedesco, my player of the round, and if he can keep this form up, Roosters are a chance up against the Broncos. Uh, Now looking more in depth at the Roosters' run toward the finals, uh, a series that I do not have them participating in, they've got Broncos at the Gabba next round, then Manly at the SCG, which only a couple of weeks ago, uh, in my estimation, it was Manly Roosters. The winners keep their seasons alive, and I just felt like the losers uh, were probably not going to factor in. Now, Manly won that game. So Manly, they are the ones who've poised themselves a little bit better to actually break into the eighth. But Roosters, they're going to get a second crack at the Seagulls. If they lose in that game, then it's all but definitely over. After that, Roosters play the Dolphins at Allianz. And you might look at that on paper and think, well, there you go. There's a win for the Roosters. Well, fuck. Didn't we think that in round one? Roosters were completely blown off the park in the Dolphins' first game in their existence. So that, we know, is not going to be an easy game. Then they play the Eels, round 25. And by this stage, they could be competing for only one available spot in the eight. After that, Roosters play Tigers in round 26, and they finish off with the Rabbitohs in round 27, another game which may just have a bearing on these sides either playing finals or missing out. Uh, Now, in my opinion, like I've said, I just think Roosters have left themselves with too much to do. Now, they're only one win outside of the eight, uh, but form-wise, run-home-wise, there are a lot of reasons to suggest that Roosters are just going to have to look more toward next year and getting back into the Premiership mix. They can most definitely make the eight, But I said the other week, one more loss, I'm putting a line through them. They lost to the Storm, I've put the line through them, and until they fucking find themselves in the top eight, I'm not going to budge on that statement. Cannot see them playing finals from here, but they are, most importantly, still a live chance. So Roosters get it done, Titans got what they deserved, pretty much, for their defensive display. Titans season over, Roosters... Well, we're going to have to wait and see. Okay, on Super Saturday, sandwiched between a huge Roosters win and an emphatic Cowboys one, we had a game that in the preview podcast, I did pinpoint as one I was very intrigued to watch. We had the Newcastle Knights who crept up to 10th on the competition ladder coming into round 21, up against Melbourne Storm, a top four outfit with everything to play for. Uh, But as I said in the preview podcast, what intrigued me the most was the Newcastle Knights, who sat 10th. And right now, coming off this win, 26-18 over the Storm, now they're one point. They're less than one win outside of the top eight. Crazy to think about. Uh, when you cast your minds back to the Panthers' loss and the Broncos' loss, where the Knights, they looked great, uh, but they just, time and time again, despite showing up with the right attitude and giving things a red-hot crack, time and time again, at the most crucial stage, they just fell short against the best sides in the competition. 
So to see what they've done here against, you guessed it, one of the best teams in this competition, all of a sudden Newcastle fans have every right to be pumped up about what would be a very unlikely finals appearance. So now, after a pretty lean season, over the last month or so, things have been getting very exciting uh, for those who support the Knights. 26-18 to 18 here over the storm, uh, mainly in part due to a storm meltdown uh, toward the end of the first half. Tries to Bradman Best, 32nd minute. Greg Marziu, 35th minute. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, 38th minute. And then on the other side of the half, Matt Croker in the 44th minute. So it was 26 to 18, uh, but that period there was where the game was won by the Knights, uh, but there was still the opportunity for them to lose, and they didn't. And it was all on the back of some amazing defense, some incredible defense. Time and time again, the Storm had plenty of opportunities, and we know that Melbourne have a lot of strike power. You have Munster on one side, Hughes on the other, Nick Meaney at the back, who scored the first try of the game, Harry Grant at dummy half, you have Big Nelson out on the edge. There were a lot of strike weapons for the Storm, and time and time again, through effort and determination, the Knights turned them back. So that is a massive win, and I think the biggest positive, if I'm a Knights fan, which I'm not, but hope to see them do well, it's been their ability to compete with the best teams in the competition. They've beaten sides like the Warriors. They've beaten the Storm, both in the top four. They played Penrith and Brisbane and pushed both to their absolute limit, just losing the game in the dying stages, which does make you think as well, where could the Knights be sitting had they won over Penrith and Brisbane? Uh, but I think that is something Knights fans should see and be fucking stoked with. The Newcastle Knights, we're seeing it. They can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the absolute top of the crop in this competition. More often than not this year, they failed to get the win. But this seemingly is Newcastle turning a corner. Melbourne Storm, a top four outfit. They were sizable favourites going into this one as well. But Newcastle were not out enthused, which has been the main theme of their season. Win, lose or draw... One thing I have really admired about the Newcastle Knights is that they continue to show up and they continue to have an absolute crack at trying to get the victory. Uh, so now if Knights somehow sneak into finals, I think their fans might just be quietly confident because we've seen Knights can hang with the best of the best. It's just some of these other losses along the way uh, that really hurt them. So Newcastle... As it stands, a very live chance of breaking in to the final series. And I will go through their run home in a moment. Uh, one other thing I wrote down in my notes. Should Melbourne bring Ryan Pappenhausen in as their fullback for the final series? Would be a big call. Nick Meaney has been playing excellently uh, and all season as well. But I just feel like Melbourne, right now, they seem to just lack that little bit of an edge that during the regular season, not a big deal, uh, but come the crunch games during finals, it just seems like they do miss a bit of an edge. 
Now, Ryan Pappenhausen, he's slowly, slowly getting ready to return. Feels like it's just around the corner, uh, but this really is a timing thing. Is it too late to pull the trigger and bring Ryan Pappenhausen in? I think if you can get him on the bench toward the end of the regular season, maybe, just maybe, the best way to go, and it would be super harsh to Nick Meaney, but I think Nick Meaney dropped back to the bench, Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback, if he's close to fully fit. Now, if there are still lingering concerns uh, about his health, about the injury, then Nick Meaney has proven that he's ready to go. And I think he does deserve the opportunity. But I just wonder if Melbourne are serious, which they always are, about winning the Premiership, do they go for the late switch? Ryan Pappenhausen right at the back end of the season. Big ask, but he knows the combinations. He's been at the club for a while. And I just feel if Ryan Pappenhausen is close to 100%, I know he's coming off a very traumatic injury, but if he is even close to at his best, Craig Bellamy is going to have to think long and hard. Because in a game like this, we just saw the storm were out enthused. And looking at the game, I thought, wouldn't a Ryan Pappenhausen just make a real difference here? So yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. And honestly, as of last week, my opinion was that Nick Meaney should be the fullback for the remainder of the season, even if Pappenhausen comes back. Now, I'm not 100% sure. I think Storm would be a lot more likely to challenge for the Premiership uh, if they can get Pappenhausen back. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, as for the game itself, Melbourne scored the first two tries, and it seemed from there that they just got complacent. Knights had that like 10-minute period before the break where they just ran rampant, and Storm didn't have an answer for it. Uh, they slowly but surely clawed their way back into the game, but they had more than enough chances to go on to win, and it was Newcastle. Really, I think what it came down to was who wanted it more? Who did this game mean more to? Now, the Storm had plenty to play for, given that they're in the top four, but it just felt like the Newcastle Knights at home with their season on the line and the chance to actually push toward a finals campaign from the eye and what I saw, it just looked like Newcastle wanted that one more. Storm maybe a little bit more comfortable within their position, whereas Newcastle, it was basically do or die. And I was highly impressed by the way the Knights came out and actually executed the game plan. Because it's one thing to want it more, but against the Melbourne Storm, you have to earn every single point. So to do what they did, especially uh, at the end of the first half, Newcastle Knights, fans, get excited. What an exciting time to be a fan of this Knights side. Uh, but of course, in typical Newcastle fashion, we can't all just have it good, you know? Knights fans, it can't all be good. So amongst all of this, news coming out, Bradman Best. He's going to test his value on the open market. Word is as well that Newcastle don't have a ton of money free in the cap, so they might not be able to compete with offers. And to be honest, I would have said Bradman Best. I'm almost certain he'll stay. But I thought that about Dominic Young, and he ended up at the Roosters. So 
This is one we're going to have to wait and watch develop. Out of respect for the Knights and their push toward finals, I'm not going to talk about it too much unless he actually signs somewhere. Uh, but I just want to let the Knights do their thing and we can come back to this toward the end of the season. But Bradman Best, just as he comes out of origin, just as he's really starting to hit that sweet spot of his young career to date, he could be out the door. That would be brutal. So I really do hope that the Knights can keep him. I think it's a better match. I wouldn't really want to see Bradman playing for another club in the NRL, unless he came over to the Warriors. But even then, I'm happy with the guys that we have. But it is big news, especially when you consider a team like the Roosters, who have Billy Smith in the centres right now. I reckon they're going to have a very big crack at Bradman Best. A team like the Tigers, they could use him. The Dragons, there are a lot of teams in this competition that could use Bradman Best. Imagine him on the left side, playing outside Dylan Brown with Micah Sivo outside of him at the Eels. So it's unfortunate for the Knights. I do think it's going to be a really, really tough fight to hold on to him, which is a shame, but it's the way modern footy works. And today we're not dwelling on negativity. Let's look at where the Knights are at right now. They are pushing for a spot in the final series. So that is what's more important. That is where most of my focus goes. And yeah, biggest takeaway from this game, the Knights' defense. If they can continue to defend like that, there's no reason as to why they can't play finals. And I'll put it out there right now. Newcastle were my pick for the spoon. I was going to go the Dragons, ended up going Newcastle. And so, look, I'm very happy to be proven wrong. And clearly... I had super low expectations of where I thought the Knights could go this year. So I'm really happy for them. Looking at Callum Ponga, back at fullback, been a while since we've seen him playing the way he has been uh, over the last month or so. Jackson Hastings, Tyson Gamble, those are two halves you can really set your watch to. Even Phoenix Crossland in the number nine. Uh, that was kind of a move that I criticised as well. Phoenix Crossland giving a fantastic account of himself. So right now, Newcastle, they are in the mix. Very keen to see how they go uh, over the next two or three weeks. Now for Melbourne, I do wonder, like I said, they're a very good regular season team, but once it gets to finals and you do need that added element, that next level to your game, right now I just wonder whether the Storm actually have that comparatively to a Broncos or a Panthers. Now history would suggest that they do, but my biggest point of concern for Melbourne, it's the void that's been left in the middle. Brandon Smith left, Felice Cafusi, the Bromwich brothers, and we've seen not just a huge void of middle forwards, but also experience and leadership within this side. And I just think come finals, I would like to see a little bit more over the next month or so uh, from the Storm Ford pack. Because at times, they can be all over other teams. I remember at Marvel Stadium, first 20 or so minutes, uh, the Melbourne Storm Fords were giving fucking Penrith a bath. They were all over them, uh, but they couldn't maintain that. So I just feel like it can't all be Nelson or Sofa Solomona. 
hugely important to the Storm right now, uh, but I just feel like they're leaning on him a little bit too much. Like, I think if Nelson gets injured, all of a sudden Storm find themselves in a really tricky position. So they sit top four. If they can finish top four, uh, that increases their odds of winning the Premiership. But there are a few reasons as to why I think the Storm... They'll be there at the pointy end of the season, but I just... I don't have them going all the way and winning the Premiership. I still feel like right now... There are just a couple of elements that are missing that that the Broncos have and that the Panthers have and a couple of other teams have. So we'll have to wait and see how the storm go. Uh, but Craig Bellamy would be filthy with that effort against the Knights. It sees Melbourne drop down to fourth place. Uh, so as a Warriors fan, delightful. Very happy with that. And the Knights, well, they continue to sit 10th, but now just one competition point outside the top eight. So they, at the end of next round, could be in the final series. This has come from nowhere. They've crept up from toward mid-table, bottom of the ladder. All of a sudden, Newcastle find themselves more relevant than they have been this entire season. Uh, now quickly checking out the runs home. Melbourne, next up, play the Eels at Marvel Stadium. Then they've got the Panthers in Penrith. So I think over the next two games, uh, we should get a bit of an indication as to whether Melbourne do have that next level they can go to. Then they play the Raiders in Melbourne, Dragons in Wollongong, Titans in Melbourne, and they finish up with one hell of a game against the Broncos at Suncorp. So there's no buys remaining for the Storm. They're going to have to manage any injuries, suspensions, and most importantly, the Storm, in their quest for a top four finish, they are going to have to earn every point. There are no more buys where you can freshen up and just take an easy two competition points. Everything on the road to finals must be earned. So we'll see how the storm go with that. Whilst for the Knights, can they do it? Look, I'm not a hater. I know I picked them to come last, uh, but I love being proven wrong in situations like this. And I would genuinely love it if the Knights could finish in the top eight, especially now as a Warriors fan, given that we sit third, maybe a month or so ago, I'd be like, uh, fuck off Newcastle, just because they're too close. Like, I don't want Warriors to be the one to drop out to accommodate a side like Newcastle. But now, touch wood, it seems like Warriors are not going to drop out at the eight. So now I'm much more happy uh, to see Newcastle making a run of significance. I think... A lot of their season is going to depend on how they go in this next game. They've got the Raiders in Canberra. Now, from memory, I think Knights might have beaten Canberra earlier this year, but I don't trust my memory very well, to be honest. Uh, but they've got the Raiders in Canberra. Tough road trip. And I think a win or a loss from there is kind of going to define where the Eels go. If they can beat Raiders in Canberra, they are going to have so much momentum behind them on this run toward finals. Uh, whereas if they lose, all of a sudden they're going to have to watch a couple of teams uh, cover some more distance on them. And there's just going to be that much more to do. So at this stage, what is a great positive for the Knights is that this is in their control. They're not right now relying on other results to go their way. As it stands, 
with only one point separating them from the top eight. This is in Newcastle's control, which is where you want things to be. If you're going to drop out or not play finals, you would rather, I think, it be down to your own performance, as harsh as it may be, rather than missing out only because of having to rely on teams above and below you. So as it stands, it's in the Knights' control. Raiders in Canberra, then the Dolphins in Perth, followed by the Bulldogs in Newcastle. So if they can win two out of the next three games, they're going to have a real run toward the finals. Uh, Then they play the Rabbitohs in Newcastle. That is a huge game. And we don't quite know right now uh, as far as the implications for the final series, but Rabbitohs against the Knights in Newcastle, that could very well be with a top eight spot on the line. Then Knights play the Sharks in Newcastle, which with each passing week, Seems like more and more of a gettable game. Uh, And then finishing off, Knights play Dragons at Netstrata to finish off their season. Which leaves me with my one big question as we exit round 21. Can Newcastle secure an unlikely finals berth? All right, now we move on to the Saturday night game uh, where the Cowboys have now surged into the top eight. 24 to 16 winners over the Eels, who were without Micah Sevo, Regan Campbell Gillard. And we knew those two were going to be big outs. In a close game like this ended up being, they really did prove uh, to be a pretty costly omission, the pair of them. So with that, Eels now sit in 8th place. They are in danger of missing the final series. And Cowboys, well to be honest, this game was between the two sides who made a run from outside the 8. Both had poor starts to the season. These were two teams who weren't in top 4 contention uh, that really were on the trajectory where they could challenge for the Premiership. But given that both of them had pretty ordinary starts to the year, it could come back to bite them in the ass. In this game, Cowboys have proven they are the team who at one point were making their run from outside of the eight. Now, they've broken in. They sit seventh and have a real chance now uh, to go on with the job. Whilst the Eels, they are going to have to defend their position if they want to have any chance of going one better than they did last year. Now, best on ground for this game, Scott Drinkwater. That's becoming a pretty common theme. Best on ground most of the time. As of late, scored a try, ran for 168 metres, produced three line breaks, a try assist, and 10 tackle breaks. So Scott Drinkwater, it's very clear he is the Cowboys' premiership ace. He's the one with that X factor and that ability to create something out of nothing. Uh, that really takes Cowboys from a decent side into a world-class side. Scott Drinkwater, let's not forget, he was just inches away from being Melbourne Storm's fullback. Uh, But of course, a peck injury in the preseason, then the emergence of Jerome Hughes and uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, it saw Scott Drinkwater land at the Cowboys. Now, we saw him plenty of times in the halves, uh, but once he moved back to fullback, Last year, and of course this year, 
we are seeing the best of Scott Drinkwater. And I think, look, Melbourne Storm seemingly identified it pretty early. He came to the club as a 5'8", and I think they worked out that his skill set best suited to fullback, especially when it comes uh, to just how fast he is on his feet. And I think it's very clear the best position for Scott Drinkwater is at fullback. He's the informed player of the comp right now, and consistently in close games, it's Scott Drinkwater who proves the difference. And I think one thing I look back on as well uh, was when Drinkwater got suspended for his high shot on Corey Oates pretty early on in the season. Now they missed him for four or so weeks, and Cowboys without Drinkwater were dead set awful. So I don't think it's a coincidence that as Drinkwater uh, gets some more consistent game time coming back from suspension, all of a sudden, hand in hand, Drinkwater comes back. The Cowboys that we knew and loved from last year come back. Uh, so some very timely returns. And now Scott Drinkwater, he is in as good a form as any player right now. Now, a bit of news as well on the Eels front. Josh Hodgson set to retire, which is very unfortunate, I'd say. I've said before, Raiders my second team, Josh Hodgson, uh, a player whom I, would, I admire very much. Now, when he first signed with the Eels, I found it curious. Why let go of Reed Marnie to bring Josh Hodgson in? And here we are, not even a year later, Hodgson's set to retire. Uh, so very unfortunate. I think it's due to a neck injury. And best wishes to Hodjo going forward. But now, it's in Brendan's hands. Hands. It's in Brendan's hands, I guess you could say. I tried to say, said very poorly. Uh, but Brendan hands. Who look, to be honest, he's been the more in form out of the pair. Now all the responsibility on a young first-year player. I'm hearing as well, St. Helens have let go of Joey Lussick, who's been at the Eels previously. Uh, dummy half, his preferred position. So they're going to bring Joey Lussick into the mix, and they may end up needing him at some stage. But very unfortunate on the Josh Hodgson front. A uh, great player who, unfortunately, going to have to hang the boots up a little bit before he was probably ready. Uh, but I'm going to jump on to the runs home now. Cowboys sitting 7th. They've got the Titans on the Gold Coast next, uh, followed by the Broncos in Townsville in what should honestly be one of the best games of the entire season. After that, Cowboys will have a much-needed bye, uh, not just a bye, but also another two competition points. And then they have three games to end their season, Sharks in Townsville, and then two away games against the Dolphins and the Panthers. So look, anytime you have to play the Broncos and the Panthers on your run home, uh, it's going to be a bit of a tricky one. But the Eels, they play the Storm, Broncos, Roosters, and the Panthers. So right now, Parramatta, I think over the next few weeks, we're going to start to find out. Are they going to play finals this year? Uh, or will the poor start to their season end up costing them big time? Eels run home. They've got the Storm in Melbourne next followed by the Dragons at home, Broncos at Suncorp, or the Gabba. I think it's at the Gabba, actually. So there you go, Parramatta playing at Marvel Stadium and the Gabba, getting a bit of a stadium experience there. Uh, then the Eels play the Roosters at home, Panthers away, and they have a bye in the very last round of the season, which, who knows, 
that could be the two competition points that actually gets them into the top eight. But for the Eels, we're going to find out what they're made of over the next month or so. Storm, Broncos, Panthers, those are three games where we're going to know exactly where they stand. How are Parramatta going to fare against the best of the best? Can't wait to find out, uh, starting with the Storm next round. And just quickly back to the Cowboys. I mentioned Scott Drinkwater, uh, but across the back line, they have some quality stars as well. Valentine Holmes, uh, who's hit form once again, although it was Sinbind in this game. Uh, you have Murray Taolangi, who's just grown another leg coming back from that Origin experience. Uh, and his clutch defense, Murray Taolangi, at Origin level, at the highest level of our game, pulled off some amazing try-saving tackles. And he possesses that same ability at NRL level. And whilst he's finishing up there with the best in the comp, are plenty of attacking plaudits that we speak about in regards to Murray Taolangi. But the most valuable asset of his game is his defense. And I think there are going to be stages toward the back end of the year where Cowboys are under the pump. They need a huge defensive play. Murray Taolangi, he's emerged as one of the guys uh, that they're going to be looking to for a play like that. And now another signing that has completely turned the Cowboys season around, Sammy Valme. Coming over from the Raiders, Kyle Felt losing his position, and Valme, once again, a fantastic performance. Two tries uh, on that right edge. Love it, considering I just picked him up uh, in my Supercoach draft side. I was surprised to see him floating around the free agents. But what a signing Semi Valme has turned out to be. And then, of course, you have the halves, uh, who are probably most responsible for delivering the result. Tom Dearden, Chad Townsend. Now, they were the in-form combination of last year. And after a slow start to this season, it seems like the halves now, they're getting back to their best and right on time. You've got Tom Dearden, the long-term half, and he's gaining valuable experience with each passing game, so that once Chad Townsend departs, Tom Dearden is going to be ready to take on that leadership role. Now, speaking of Chad Townsend, this is a halfback that knows what it takes to win a premiership in the seven jersey. So that as well is going to prove invaluable when it comes to the crunch games. My major key for the Cowboys, it's the running game of Tom Dearden. When he runs first, passes second, more often than not, he breaks through, gets the Cowboys on the front foot, and they capitalize on the back of that. So Tom Dearden's running game, the more they can get that going, the better chance they are. And that is what makes Townsend such a perfect foil for him. He's the classic organizing, uh, organizing, I can't speak fucking English. He's the classic organizing halfback. Chad just leads the team around the park, does the kicking, and allows Dearden to take opportunities when they present themselves. So the halves, they're going to probably have the biggest role to play as far as Cowboys and their premiership push. Uh, but of course, the Cowboys Ford pack will have a lot to do with it as well. Jason Taumalolo, who's been coming off the bench. Ruben Cotter, who they need him in this side. They cannot afford any injuries or suspensions. They need Ruben Cotter. Uh, Reese Robson, in the number nine, I'm sure he's grown in confidence getting that origin debut. Uh, but some tough news 
and for my Supercoach draft side, Jeremiah Nanai out for up to six weeks. So probably the rest of the regular season. So this huge strike on the edge for them, they're going to be without. No Jeremiah Nanai for the rest of the regular season. So it will be interesting. Of course, some big games coming up, starting with the Titans next weekend. And my biggest takeaway from the Saturday night game was one question. Just how far can this Cowboys team go this year? Okay, this next one, penultimate game of the round. Not going to spend too much time on this one. Panthers 44, Bulldogs 18, Nathan Cleary back in action. Brian Toto all over the Bulldogs. Isaiah Yo all over the Bulldogs. Jerome Luai, potentially a future Bulldog, all over the dogs here. This is basically what we expected. I don't know how much I can talk about this game. Penrith, we already knew they were that good. Bulldogs, we kind of had an inkling they were going to be that poor. So not too much to judge. Like we haven't learned anything about the Panthers here with this win. It hasn't changed their standing. They're premiership favorites, or at least in my view, they were my preseason pick to get the three-peat. After this game, nothing's changed. Panthers still definitely the team to beat. Bulldogs with a lot of issues. Now I'm hearing dogs have told Raymond Faitala Mariner, one of their club captains, you're free to look elsewhere. They've told Ryan Sutton, who just arrived at the club this year on a pretty healthy paycheck, mate, you're free to go. Which is interesting. I always find it a bit slack one year into a deal. Like, you guys fucking signed him for three years. Now after one year, you're telling him to go? Uh, That's pretty poor management, to be honest. And I think a lot of us have faith that the Bulldogs uh, in the next few years are going to manage to set this right. But as things stand, yeah, they're just very poor. Very poor. In fact, it seems like they've gone backward. Last year, under Mick Potter... For the better part of the second half of the year, Bulldogs looked like they were making some strides. Now, it seems like a case of a step forward, two steps backward. So that is what's concerning in a period for the Bulldogs where they're looking to set themselves up, not just for sustained success, but to actually be a premiership powerhouse. And of course, it's going to take some time, but I think it is fair to say that Bulldogs are going backward right now, and that this grand plan, having this amazing coach, Cameron Seraldo come over, has only made a very minute difference. In fact, yeah, they're going backward. So my long-term vision of the Bulldogs, I think they are going to be able to get things right. They've just got a couple of things they need to change around with their roster. They could really do... Uh, with an elite level middle forward, which, you know what's scary? Maybe Raymond Fatala Mariner, Ryan Sutton, maybe they're being told to go so that Bulldogs can have a real crack at bringing Payne Huss in, uh, which would make all the difference. Of course, they need a fullback. They've been talking with Blake Taff. They've also got Stephen Crichton coming to the club. They need a halfback. Toby Sexton, uh, seemingly the answer in the short term. So Bulldogs, they need a few things. And I still think over the next 5-10 years, 
they're going to emerge as a real premiership force. But yeah, as someone who's optimistic about the direction the Bulldogs are heading, I've held off and I've held off and I've held off up until about the 66-0 hiding they received. And then it just came to light. Like, okay, Bulldogs seemingly have regressed. So it's not great. Next year, it's a new year, and they do have some amazing players, and they could shock us all. But as far as where things stand right now, 2023 has been awful. Like, they've been one of the worst teams in the comp during a season where many had them as one of the teams to shoot up the ladder, kind of like the Warriors have this year uh, or Cowboys did last year. But it just hasn't happened. A bad Bulldog side has managed to get worse. So hopefully they can finish the season strong. Uh, but this game, all about Penrith, who now, they're in a pretty sweet spot uh, to challenge for the three-peat. They sit on top of the ladder. And yeah, that's my takeaway from this game. Panthers, the team to beat. Bulldogs going backward, unfortunately. And that can only lead us to one final game. The end of round 21, and it saw a ridiculous game, to be honest. A completely ridiculous game. Sea Eagles go up 30-0. Then Sharks concede... Oh, Sharks put on 26 straight points. Almost pull off the greatest comeback in NRL history. So it's kind of hard to know. Like, do I speak positively about these sides or negatively? Because for both, there were some positive aspects... But I feel like coming out of this one, the overriding theme is that both teams should be pretty ashamed of their performance. The Sharks had lost the game by the fucking halftime. Whilst for Manly, they had that game wrapped up well and truly. In fact, they should have gone on with the job. And they almost shit the bed in historical circumstances. So I think coming out of this one, more negative than positive in the uh, Flat Track Bullies Cup. And I went with Sharks as my cause for concern over the whole round. In a game where they needed to respond, they didn't. And if Cronulla couldn't respond in the midst of some players being dropped, in the midst of some awful form, well, it makes you wonder, are they going to be able to respond in time to have any significance in the Premiership race? Cronulla, I don't think any team has seen their stocks fall over the last month, more so than the Sharkies. And now it's at the point where they're going to be flat out playing finals. So this one, the game, look, they almost lost it, but the result belongs to the Seagulls. And a win is a win, and this actually has Seagulls now sitting one point outside of the top eight. So you really do have to be positive about the Seagulls here. Obviously the second half of the game that was pretty shocking, but a win is a win. And now they've set themselves up to make a run for finals. So Seagulls, definitely the more positive note. Sharks. Like I said, if you can't respond on the back of the last couple of weeks, when's the response going to come? Maybe a little bit too late. Sharkies, oh, not good. I'm going to take a look at their run home and Manly's run home. But yeah, that is dreadful from the Sharks. That first half, they just pretty much said, we're not a top eight team. 
which shocked us all. I have Sharks, not just as a top eight team, but going into this year, I had them as a legitimate premiership contender. But they just don't have that next level to their game. Last year we saw they were exceptional during the regular season, barely fired a shot in the final series, out in back-to-back weeks. Then they come into this year, to be honest, a pretty mixed start. More on the ordinary side than the good one. Sharks didn't get off to a hot start. Then, in the middle of the season through Origin, that was when I pinpointed, this is the time for the Sharks. Nico Hines played, what, like a handful of minutes at Origin level? Missed one game? Other than that, Cronulla Sharks, who were a top four team, were missing no one. All their guys were there, their best 17. No one was out through Origin. That was their chance to really get things going. And instead, they went the opposite direction. Now, they limp in to this final part of the series, the run home toward finals. And I think it's fair to say, look, if you've listened to the pod before, you'd know I've split the season, our regular season, into three rounds, one to nine. Sharks, pretty ordinary, but still getting enough wins to keep themselves up on the ladder. Then, second part of the season, through Origin, when they really should have made a run, they did the opposite. So as we head into this final third of the series, or season rather, I look back at the Sharks' season, and at no point have they had consistently good form. Through each portion of the season so far, they've under-delivered. I think is fair to say. So now they come into this final portion of the season. I don't know. I just don't have a great deal of faith that they're going to be able to all of a sudden miraculously turn it on. And my last note on the Seagulls uh, before I finish off with both sides run home. I spoke in the preview podcast. The Isaac Moses curse had a lot of not so good things to say about Isaac Moses. And that hasn't changed. But... Seagulls. On the back of everything I said, I thought Seagulls were going to get pumped here, to be honest. So on the back of everything I said, sometimes you've got to put your hand up and say, well, I was wrong. The Isaac Moses curse, I don't think exists. They've come out, they've won 30 to 26. In the bigger picture, I still think it is a red flag that Isaac Moses is so heavily involved with the club. But Anthony Seabold gets the win. And I'm kind of enjoying the Seagulls' redemption arcs. They've gone with Anthony Seabold as the coach. Redemption arc. Matt Lodge comes over to the club looking for his redemption. They've signed Luke Brooks. Tell me a halfback in this competition that needs more of a redemption arc. Jake Arthur. You know, it feels like Seagulls, if they go on to win the Premiership, there are going to be a lot of great redemption stories. I said, good on them. I spoke a lot of shit about Isaac Moses, his involvement with the club, uh, how I thought Manly Seagulls making some questionable decisions. Well, they came out, they won. They are still relevant in the finals chase. So I'm going to put all the Isaac Moses chat to bed for now. For now. But Seagulls, the chat needs to be around their push for the finals. Uh, So to finish off today's podcast, let's check out the run home for both of these sides. Uh, Now, Cronulla Sharks, who are fighting for their season. They sit in sixth place with a few teams below them who are actually starting to hit a bit of form. 
Sharkies play the Panthers next round. And I think that's the game where we're going to learn. Are Sharks up for this or are they pretenders and not contenders? We'll find out round 22. Then they play the Rabbitohs in Perth, who sit ninth. That is a game that is going to have a direct impact on these sides making the finals or missing out. In round 24, Sharks play the Titans. Then they travel in round 25 to Townsville to play the Cowboys. They finish off with the Knights in Newcastle and then the Raiders in Sydney. So just having a look through that, they play the Panthers, who are first back-to-back premiers. They play the Rabbitohs, who are outside of the top eight, uh, but are looking to have Luttrell back in the next round. Then they play Titans. They should win that, being the flat-track bullies that they are. Then Cowboys in Townsville, like Panthers, Rabbitohs, Cowboys, Knights in Newcastle, Raiders. These are all tough games. Sharks, this could go either way. They've got about a month to get things going and head in a positive direction toward the final series. Otherwise, they could drop out. And there's going to be a lot of criticism if the Sharks drop from the top four all the way out. I mean, look at how the Broncos were treated when they did the same thing last year. So for Cronulla Sharks, it's really a season-defining stretch. And it all begins next round against the Panthers. And I tell you what, if the Panthers smack them and embarrass them, that, that could really just send them in a spiral all the way out of the final series. So big month of footy ahead for the Sharks. Very much the same for the Seagulls. Now just one point outside of the competition's top eight. They have a chance next round to keep momentum going. They play the Dragons in Wollongong. And look, if you're serious about playing finals, Dragons, that's a game you need to win. But it's certainly not a gimme. I can see Dragons causing them some issues. Uh, but for Seagulls, that is just simply a must-win game. And who knows, if things go their way, if they beat the Dragons and a couple of other results turn out favorably for them, Seagulls could finish next round in the top eight. So big, big weekend coming up for them. Then they play the Roosters, a team they recently beat. Uh, that one at Sydney Cricket Ground. And that, a contest which is also going to have uh, a very big impact on whether or not these sides feature in the finals. Round 24 at Four Pines, Seagulls play Panthers. Uh, by that stage, we should know. Are Manly playing for the finals or uh, do they have too much ground to make up? Either way, Seagulls, Panthers... Uh, that's going to be a big game for their season. Then they play the Warriors in Auckland. And as a Warriors fan, this is the game uh, I look at as the most dangerous on our run home. Uh, but for Manly, I mean, coming off the game against Panthers, they're going to have to travel to New Zealand and take on a Warriors side who I believe will still be in the top four by this stage. So Manly, rounds 24 and 25... I think will be when it's confirmed. Are Manly playing finals or are they gone skis? We should know by then. Uh, then they will play the Bulldogs at a course stadium. That's another one that you need to win. When you've got Panthers, Warriors in Auckland, Roosters, you need to be beating the Dragons and the Bulldogs. Simple as that. And then they finish off Four Pines Park with the Tigers. So as I said, round 24-25, 
against Panthers Warriors. Uh, by the end of those rounds, I think we'll have a pretty good idea. Like if Manly can get a win in either of those games, uh, and a win in the Roosters game, then they're well and truly on when you consider they finish against Bulldogs and Tigers. So that, on paper, is four competition points to finish the season. The big question is how many points can the Seagulls accumulate over the next month? So we've got the Sharks holding on for dear life. You've got the Manly Seagulls with a very timely win. And it sets us up beautifully for round 22. Of course, my beloved Warriors with the bye. Uh, very sad that today's 20 plus minute chat straight from my heart surrounding the Warriors got deleted. Uh, but look, when the Warriors are next in action, I'm going to do a bit more of a dedicated Warriors chat. But they got the bye. So round 22 preview podcast. It'll be out on Wednesday. I'll be going through all the games and all the news as well. Knowing what rugby league's like, I'm sure there'll be some news broken in between now and then. But yeah, that's it for today. The NRL weekend wrap. Done and dusted. So as usual, thank you so much for listening. Your support, one, doesn't go unnoticed. Two, very much appreciated. And now we look forward to what is easily the most exciting point of the season. And personally, as a Warriors fan, usually by this time of the year, it's just like, okay, let's watch Melbourne and Panthers and Broncos. This year, we're fucking, we're amongst it. The Warriors are amongst it. By this stage of the year, that supporter inside of me that comes into every season saying it's our year, usually around this point is when I have to concede, okay, it's probably not our year. Could it be our year? Fucking hell. I hope it is. One of the things I spoke about that got deleted uh, was that I'm a fan, and of course there are teams in front of us more likely to win, but given it's been 10 or so years where we haven't even factored in to the premiership race, I'm a ride or die supporter, and what else am I going to do but go all in? So the lids come off, I'm going all in, I am believing in my heart of hearts that it's our year, and I cannot wait to see uh, from round 23 onward, this Warriors Premiership charge, but they will have the bye next weekend. Uh, so it's going to be up to all these other teams to really fix up their footing on the ladder. We've seen fluctuations week after week, and now having a check at the ladder, well, there's a handful of teams that could be in the eight by the end of the round. Eels play the Storm in Melbourne, so that's not an easy game. They've got the Knights below them, who with a win could jump into the eight. They've got the Seagulls below them who could jump into the eight with a win. You've got the Roosters, only one win outside of the top eight. And of course the Rabbitohs, with Latrell Mitchell set to come back in, looking to make their charge. Then you do have the Eels, who off a loss may drop out. You do have the Cronulla Sharks, who almost at this stage, based on their form, look destined to drop out. I said, this is going to be an exciting finish. I think at the moment, I'm really keen to see what the Newcastle Knights can do. To be honest, I would love it if they could make a run of significance. But of course, my main focus, the mighty Warriors. We sit third. I believe we can get a top four finish. And gee whiz. I mean, I've already, not going to lie, I've already started kind of crunching the numbers. 
week one of finals. Am I going to be flying to Sydney? Probably to watch the Panthers, Warriors? Or am I going to be flying to Brisbane? Now, either would be great options. If I fly to Sydney, week one of the finals just so happens to be the same time that UFC is in Sydney. So that seems like a match. I'd have to fucking move heaven and earth to get a ticket. But this is what I'm thinking right now. Am I going to Sydney in September and doing the combo of UFC as well as a Warriors finals game? Or am I going to go up to Brisbane, only an hour from where I used to live, Sunshine Coast? Some of my best mates in the whole world live up there. So I get to catch up with mates, uh, get to go around a city that I love, beautiful weather, and of course the main attraction. Am I going to be going to Suncorp Stadium to watch the Warriors taking on the Broncos? That, the lid's come off. I'm crunching the numbers. I'm trying to work out where the fuck am I going to be come the final series. So it's a very, very exciting time. And just to finish off, actually, I've been to the uh, Suncorp Stadium before many years ago and watched the Warriors pull off a great upset over the Broncos. And in fact, a great moment in history. I was at the game. Uh, that was the game where Let's Go on Warriors where the guy had the sign. And afterward, actually, me and my mate, we met that guy on the train. Let's Go on Warriors guy was on the train home. Had a good, good chat to him. So that was a memorable night. And I'm hoping, like either way, if I go to Sydney, boom, I'm gonna try to go to the UFC. If I go to Brisbane, see all my mates, go to Suncorp Stadium, arguably the best stadium to watch rugby league in. Pretty good options. I, look, to go to Auckland, where I'm from, I just think, like, you get a finals game at Mount Smart, good fucking luck getting tickets. Because everyone's going to be on board. So I'm more thinking, how do I, an Australian-based fan, best support the team? And away road trip, baby. Uh, so, look, if you're in Sydney, if you're going to be at that game, why not link up for a beer and listen to me chat about the Warriors? Uh, if you're, I'm going to Brisbane, can't wait to see all my mates. And yeah, that's where we're at now. I'm trying to work out. Warriors, I want to be there. I want to be a part of it because uh, it's a special run and I'm on board. I hope we can go all the way. But we'll have to see Panthers Broncos definitely leading the charge. And the beauty of this competition is right now, we've got a stack of contenders. So let's see over the next month or so how everything plays out. And of course, I will be back on Wednesday to preview all things round 22 but that is it for today thank you for listening and most importantly have a bloody beautiful week